Welcome to Live Happily Ever Awesome. Join me and PACT certified therapist Julie Rappaport where we discuss relationships, learn how to bring the magic back to yours, and become a better partner. To join the discussion live, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Clydesdale Media. Sign up for notifications so you can call in with your questions or just join the chat. Be sure to like and share these episodes with your partner and friends. The following presentation is not therapy or a substitute for therapy. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Hi, Julie. Hi there. How are we are you? Back. We're good. I'm real good. We're back for episode 12 of Living Happily Ever Awesome. Um, I just wanted to check in with you. How are things? Yeah, things are good. Busy. But, yeah. you know, that's all right. Yeah. We missed life. last week. We did. Yeah, our schedules didn't. We, didn't we couldn't align. get together. Yeah. Oh well, life happens, right? It's true. Um, I only got like two or three um, Instagram DMs asking where we were, so <laughs> I didn't disappoint too many people. But, uh, pretty soon, you know, we're not going to be able to do that. We're not going to get away with skipping a week because our fans are going to, you know, go crazy. Wow, uh, that's the hope. That's we're working hope. on it. We're working on it. Yeah. How do you think? How do you think things are going? From, from your initial vision of this to what, what's what it is now? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that initial, you know, like this got born out of a, a long, long time ago where there wasn't, there weren't really podcasts that wasn't really present very long. And I was listening to radio shows and thinking, oh, it'd be really cool to like be on a live radio show where people could call in and ask questions and I could just answer them and it'd be super fun and dynamic. And um, and so it's, it's a little bit of a paradigm shift for me to, you know, that would be your, you automatically have a, a captive audience when sure. you're on a radio show. And there was, I think, you know, just a little starry eyed expectation of mine to just be like, oh, it's just going to be just like that. And it's not right. You have to build it up. And just like, I mean, just like I'm sure radio shows have to do, but I wasn't part of that process uh, that, you know, behind the scenes process for them. So uh, being in the behind the scenes process for this, it's, it's, um, it's challenging. It's exciting but it's also challenging because of course we all want things to happen right now. And, right. Patience. Uh, we have to have patience. I, yeah, I, and have I, a lot I think, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, ideally, uh, you know, I was talking to some people about this and I was like, they were like, yeah, well, I mean, you know, you want to get, you want to get clients. And I was like, no, this is not about me getting clients at all. Like I really, that's not my intention at all. My intention really is to get information out there and help people um, answer questions that they might have that um, maybe they don't know who to ask, or they've gotten advice from their friends and they're like, well, I don't know if that's even accurate or helpful or, you know, that I could just be of service is really my intention. And so that, I think that's the frustrating part is just wanting a big following so that I could help more people. Yes. So, you know, um, you know, it'll happen like when you open up your own CrossFit gym, you know, you're not, you're not doing it for the money. That's for sure. You just, that's right. You just that's want to right. help as many people as you can. And it, and it gets frustrating when, you know, people don't see the value in, in they don't understand that they need it <laughs> too. I think a lot of couples 
you know, like you said, everybody could probably benefit from this in, if you're in a relationship. And I think people are, there's still sort of a stigma attached to it, um, I think in many ways, and or an expense, or it's not widely, you know, covered under, you know, medical insurance and things like that. So people are reluctant. Um, I see a lot of parallels there. And, yeah. and I can understand why people might not jump on board, but it, it seems like paramount to, uh, to people's <clears throat> healthy relationships. Yeah. I mean, as, as a therapist, you, you always are like really stoked when people come in uh, preemptively, you know, when they're like, oh, you know, we we're good or we're about to get married or, you know, whatever. And we just want to make this even better or set us up, selves up for success. Like that's always just this dream of like, oh, but yeah. we are programmed to only come when we're in crisis or things are really bad. Mm -hmm. What is, what is the sort of one of your go-to things that you might talk about or bring up with a couple that comes to you like that with no issues necessarily, just, Hey, we want to just work on the health of our relationship. And there's nothing specific, you know, that comes to mind that, that we want to work on. Do you have sort of a formula of things that you might <clears throat> want to express to them or have them communicate to you? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm throwing things out to them to see if they've thought about it, talked about it, have it instilled in their relationship. Um, how, and, and also I'm seeing how they interact, whether they uh, both share power, um, how they are, you know, what their attachment styles are, how they then can best understand one another and even make things even better, feel better understood because, you know, a couple, you know, life is only going to get usually only going to get more complicated. And the more that you put in the mix, the more stress there is on the system, which then we tend to go into our default coping strategies. And if they don't have the awareness of what's working and why it's working, then they'll just revert and then it won't go as well when there's higher stress in the system. Mm -hmm. So just kind of shoring things up in terms of, you know, things that they might not have thought about, uh, putting some principles uh, in place in terms of their relationship, some agreements in place that they just were kind of tacit before, but now they're, um, they're overt and they understand and they understand why and how it works in the relationship. So, I mean, there's, there's lots to, to do and it's, it's fun because they're, they're so willing. Yeah. You know, there's no, um, time to, there's no, nothing that a couple like that will come in and you won't automatically have a therapeutic alliance, meaning they will, they will, you know, they're buying things hook, line and sinker because they're there to, for, you know, there's no resistance really. Sure. Whereas other people who are having issues and come in that way, sometimes it's uh, one or both people are, you know, have their defenses up or don't want to be there or, you know, so there's other things you have to kind of work through in addition to the actual therapy. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to throw another cross a parallel in there. It's sort of like, um, as a coach, <clears throat> when you take people through a warm up, you've never seen them move before, right? And you have them warm up. You as a coach are assessing how they move. You know what limitations do they have? Can they do an air squat? You know, can they do things? Can they can they understand? Do they understand directions? Are they listening? I imagine you can glean a lot from a couple based on how they interact with each other as you're asking them questions. It's kind of like, you know, when you take your kid to the pediatrician 
you know, and the mom that's like answering all the questions for the kid and the kid's not answering, you know, the doctor's probably like, oh my God, like helicopter mom. So I, yeah. I imagine that just, you know, asking some questions and having them answer, you get to just observe um, and, and can ascertain sort of relationships and hierarchies and all that kind of stuff. I want to ask you a question. Do you ever play the game? I play this game a lot. Um, <laughs> my stepmom used to do this all the time. It was fascinating. Um, we're out at a restaurant and you scan the room. And you sort of take a table, you know, maybe a couple or something, and you're trying to figure out, like, are they on a first date? Are they, you know, are they married? Have they been together a long time? Are they getting along? Are they not getting along? Like, I, that is one of my favorite things to do <laughs> is to try to, like, figure out, like, in what stage of their relationship they are. I mean, you're probably yeah. way better at it than me. But, uh, yeah, that is, that is something I enjoy. Yeah, it's fun. I think it's, it's really fun to, um, for me to see when couples have kids and like kind of guessing the age of the kid of how they're acting and questions or non-questions or whatever. And then how the parents are <laughs> dealing with these various, some more challenging stages and things. Right. It's, that's really fun for me. Awesome. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I think a lot of people do that. I, I think so too. It's fun. It's entertaining. I, and then, you know, if you're lacking conversation in your own uh, <laughs> couple, you can just sort of talk about other people. It's great. I think the most fascinating though is, is an airport. Airports just oh, to me, are the yeah. most fascinating places to watch people. True. Yeah. I haven't been in one in a while, but yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's true too. All right. So let's get to our topic of the week. Um, ambivalence is the word of the day. Um, mm -hmm. I actually, I looked this word up before we started just because I like to have, you know, the Webster's definition and it is not defined the way I thought it was. It's kind of ambivalent the way it's in, it's described. Well, no, I just, I actually thought that ambivalence meant, and I've been living my life now thinking this, that ambivalence is kind of like a, um, like a not caring, mm. like a, I'm thinking of a different word, obviously, but it's, I thought it was apathy. That. Yeah. Apathy. Um, or indifference, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking that indifference and ambivalence are sort of synonyms and they are not at all. So I'm going to let you define ambivalence and then we'll get started. Um, well, <clears throat> how it shows up in a relationship is, you know, I'm just, uh, I, I, I guess I would say I feel strongly both ways kind of thing. Um, Opposite, or I, right. I feel strongly like it's like one foot in one foot out. Uh, I can't decide I, I want this, but I want that, or I don't want this, but I don't want that. Um, it's you're on the fence and you cannot make, or you cannot, will not, will not have a hard time making a decision. Okay. And that can, you know, I mean, if we're talking just the basic of a relationship, if we're just talking, you know, sometimes couples will come in and one or both partners are ambivalent about the relationship itself. Hmm. I'm not sure if I want to be in this relationship. And so they're coming in to, to figure that out. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a bit of a, you know, as I'm, as I'm thinking about this and talking about this, I honestly think that that's a bit of, um, it's, it's self-protection usually. Okay. I think 
my view on it is that that they're coming in and they're like, we're, you know, we or I am unhappy with the way things are going. And so the way things are going and the way the way that it looks right now, I'm not sure I want to be in that. Okay. And I'm not sure that anything can change. So therefore, I'm not sure if I want this relationship. Um, that often, I think that's oftentimes the, how, what the internal process might be. Sometimes it's, I'm not sure if it's too late, right? Mm-hmm. If like things have been going on for so long and that no matter what changes happen, um, I just don't know whether I want to be in this relationship. It's like too much water under the bridge kind of thing. Um, but it is, you know, it's, it's normal. Uh, you know, of course we experience it all the time, but it is, uh, extremely threatening in the relationship itself. What do you mean by that? What, 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 what makes it threatening? So, if you are trying to be in a relationship and you're, you are all in and you're like, all right, let's work on this. Let's make this better. You know, and you have a partner that's like, well, I don't know. You automatically are going to feel threatened because you're like, well, shit. uh, I don't, I don't know if I happen to step here that that was the wrong step and that then that's the the final straw and they're out. Mm -hmm. Or if I do this or I don't do this, you know, it's that person is then always on edge. Um, Even if they don't necessarily aren't necessarily consciously aware of it, their nervous system is. And so uh, it is, it's threatening to their nervous system. So they will be in a, at least, at least mildly form of, uh, fight, flight, or freeze. Okay. Like kind of survival. Okay. And uh, I mean, is this something that couples will come to you and I self-identify or is this, I assume this is something that you sort of uncover this ambivalence as you're working through things? Uh, both, you know, some people are okay. really aware of it and some people aren't at all, but then, you know, and the ambivalence can be, um, it's not there. They aren't really aware of it, but they are playing it out and they have been for years and years and years and years. And it's not necessarily uh, that they're aware of the fact that they're one foot in one foot out, but they are playing at life with one foot in one foot out. So that includes um, their relationship and it's more, much more common. uh, I mean, islands can, can be ambivalent as well. But of course, with the anxious ambivalent wave, Mm -hmm. um, it is much, much more common for them to uh, be functioning with this as the way they pretty much live their lives. Okay. So what is the goal as your as their counselor to, are we trying to eliminate the ambivalence or mitigate it somehow? Uh, well, my job would be to, um, first of all, to, to try to highlight how it's actually self-harming for them, um, to stay in that place. Um, because while it, 
you know, they are stuck in this, I don't know, and they don't want to, they, they really are stuck. That, that's the primary word stuck. Mm-hmm. And they're the, feeling stuck is a familiar feeling for them throughout their life. And that, uh, that by not choosing, they're, they're actually choosing, right? And that what happens then is, you know, life goes by, other people make the decisions for them because they're stuck and they're not moving. Mm-hmm. And so other people make the decisions or time makes the decision. Something else makes the decision, something or someone, which makes them a victim, um, which then causes resentment in them. So then they're living with this lifetime pattern of feeling stuck not choosing something getting chosen for them. So therefore life kind of living them instead of them living their lives and then being resentful of the fact that life lived them or somebody else made the decision. And that someone else is typically their partner. And then the resentment gets played out with their partner. I was going to ask. So the resentment's not necessarily, um, targeted back toward them, but it it can can project it to their partner. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, that the partner makes all the decisions or the, you know, it's all about them or, you know, and then that plays right into, you know, an island is tends to be more <clears throat> self-centered, right? So it, it, it then, it just, it's right this, into it. the cycle, right. And, and really it's, uh, it's helping the wave. Um, and this sounds a little, I don't want it to sound condescending. Um, it's not intended to be, it's really part of growing up is realizing that no matter what you choose, no matter what, there is always loss. And that, you know, if you choose between a Snickers bar and a Hershey's almonds, like if you choose one, the bummer is you lose out on the other one. And, but it's part of life and, and, and kids, you can see this stage with them of like, they, you know, you say you could, you want this or you want this. And they're like, no, I want both. And they'll throw a fit. Right. And if they are, if they have parents that give into that and, um, and don't allow the child to feel the loss, then the child grows up without experiencing that and not knowing how to actually either wanting both and, you know, having temper tantrums if they don't, or if they can't, if they, you know, and that's not how life actually is. So then experience that loss eventually, but they, but that's what waves in this ambivalent place are trying to do is avoid the loss. They are trying desperately to avoid loss. And part of that growing up is realizing you need to experience loss and you just, it, it's part of it. And that way you at least then are in charge of your life and the decisions that are being made. You are in charge rather than other people. So if you're, if you had a couple where, um, let's say one of the partners was not happy with the state of affairs in the relationship, pick something, doesn't really matter, you know, hypothetically something, you know, she makes green beans every night and I don't like green beans. Um, but he's afraid to say anything about the fact that he doesn't like green beans because he's afraid that she's going to 
I don't know, react in a way that is going to negatively impact the relationship in a bigger, in a bigger way. Is that, you know, that reluctance to sort of, so to me, that person, that couple that hates the green beans, but doesn't want to say anything is sort of, they don't like it, but they don't want to disrupt the relationship. So they're just going to sort of deal with it. Is that that's more, that's more avoidance. Okay. Yeah. Not it. Okay. Ambivalence would be, you know, that you just can't, it's, you know, I think we talked either last time or that, or there is here, there is here. Um, The last time or, or so about the chess game. Did we talk about that? Yes, we did. Yeah. So the ambivalent partner is kind of like, well, I want that. Well, uh, I want, hmm. Maybe that, well, maybe so they're this, like not you know, taking their hand off the piece, never taking their hand off. So they, they keep the system. I mean, they kind of keep their partner um, captive. They hold, hold them mm. captive and they hold a relationship captive and it, and it's stuck in this murky place. It's not clear. You can't really make any moves because they are so afraid that if they make this move, they think in their mind, I know if I make this move that they're going to make this move. And honestly, they have no idea. Sure. They really don't. They, they are automated to think that they do, but they do not. Hmm. And the proof is in the pudding and it's it, the, the fear that what they predict is going to happen is so strong that they then just don't move. Okay. So what is, what is the work that you do with couples then to try to, clear this up <clears throat> well i i you know the i was going into that of like the self-harming piece but and like helping the person to really realize that hey um, this isn't working for them um that this is actually hurting them and uh, you know and helping them feel somatically in their body what feels actually right so we you know do some exercises of of saying, you know, going one way, how does that feel in their body going another way? How does that feel in their body and getting some information from their body rather than their mind, because your mind is always going to play tricks on you. So um, the body does not lie. So if you, you know, if they say something of like, I am 100% in and they're like, they just feel sick to their stomach. (laughs) Right, then they're like, then we get some information there. Or if they like, they're like, I say, okay, tell them I'm 100% done with this relationship. And then uh, they are like, oh God, I I can't say that. Okay, well, that's information, right? So it's like, there's all this information. And if they can't say either, or they don't want to, or they get negative things with being 100% in or 100% out, then having them say like, I'm one foot in, one foot out. And they're like, yes, that feels, yes, I feel solid in that or whatever. And then it's working with um, all the negative things then that happen as a result of them being there and how then, you know, then it's me um, helping them realize and feeling in their body, how stuck they stay, how resentful they are, how all these things, and they, uh, they don't like any of those things. And so then there's, and, and, you know, waves have this um, really great capacity 
to realize these things. Um, it's like they, they know, they know a lot. They just don't know that they know a lot. And so once I kind of point things out or guide them a little bit, they're like, they, they catch on right away and they realize like, Oh, wow. Yeah, I do that. Or I don't do that. Or yep, you're right. You know, they can really catch on and then they, they really can begin to process like, Ooh, this isn't actually getting me what I want. Um, and so I do need to change. And so they're, you know, it might take a little while, but they do catch on rather quickly and um, they can make some changes uh, such that, you know, because what I want for them, for everyone that I'm working with is that they get what they want. And, uh, you know, their strategy uh, is, is not working for them. And so I want to help point that out and guide them in a direction that might be less uh, familiar and more uncomfortable, but that actually will get them what they want. Or they could then figure out that they're never going to get what they want from where they are because of the partner they chose or whatever. And then they can, they can leave, you know, but staying stuck is just going to get them more of the same. So all of that tends to be with one person and you're dealing with these two person systems. So what role does the other person take or what kind of things do you have the other person either doing um, or thinking about as they're working through this together? Well, let's take the example of somebody who's like, um, let's, let's, let's take it where there's just one person where it's the wave. And because <clears throat> sometimes both partners come in and they're both ambivalent. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't know. Um, but let's say that the island is like, I am two feet in, I'm ready to go. I love this person. I want to make this work. And the, and then the wave is like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I work with that wave to try to, you know, shore that up and have them actually choose one thing or the other. And it, they just are not in that place in that moment to, to make a move. They just are like in this, like, and this happens where it's like, oh, I see what I'm doing. I know this isn't uh, helpful, but I'm not ready to Still stuck, move. And yeah. no matter how much pressure I can put on, it just doesn't happen. And the other part of that puzzle is why is this other person, this island, willing to tolerate half-assed? Yeah. Right. Like, why aren't they saying, well, listen, um, unless you're 100% in, um, then, then we're done here because I can't work with somebody who's unsure. Um, and it's, you know, I think that sometimes it gets equated to your 100% in means that, um, you know, for sure you want to be with me for the rest of your life. Mm, like yeah. that's, that's, but that's what couples equate People it think. to being right. Rather than, hey, you're 100% in to work this out and let's right. see where this goes. I'm, I'm um, giving 100% effort towards towards it, but yeah. Right. And uh, so then, you know, there is, it's, it's just two person system of if this person's ambivalent and not giving 100%, why is this other person so okay with it to just continue to let them be in that space? Mm -hmm. Because it, then there's, there's really no um, pressure in the system to change if one person's willing to tolerate half-assed and one person is willing to be unsure, 
then I just like, I'm like, okay, well then you right, guys have nothing, nothing. Fix, right? there's nothing to fix. You guys will continue to get the same and just, and, and come back if, if, and when you want to shift this, but as things are right now and, and the pressure that I've put on either or both of them, um, if it's not, if they, they're fine where they are, there's nothing to change. You know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It is. Yeah, this is not um, the how that I thought the topic was going to go. So <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, though. It's it's really it's fun to work with couples with this when they're you know because both ways, if we take that one example, both things that they're that each are doing um, are are harming, self harming. Mm-hmm. Why is someone sure. willing to? take the short end of the stick or just take what they can get. Um, and of course that's going to go back to their attachment and what happened back there. And, and that that's what they had to just take. That's all they got. And so they're, they're just so right. hungry they'll, they'll and what they can get. Exactly. Something is better than nothing. Yeah. And um, so, you know, working with that person and working with the stuckness um, and getting them out of these places of pain that then perpetuate, you know, I mean, it was a painful thing that they had to do deal with in their childhood and it was a way they survived, but then they're perpetuating it and they're just living in this kind of hell on some level, you know, it, it's unconscious hell. And I, I don't want that for anyone. Yeah. That doesn't sound fun. No. Okay, so before we get to our big announcement, any any parting words on ambivalence that you want to wrap this up with? I think you know if 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 you feel like you're unsure, um, well, I mean, if you're with somebody who's unsure, I would suggest uh, looking at yourself and upping your standards. Um, of what you deserve or working with somebody to, uh, you know, help you work on self-worth because the more like the pressure that you put on in terms of standing up for yourself will then help the other person make a move. Right. Because if there's no pressure, there's no reason to move. Right. No reason Um, to change. And, and with the, you know, the more ambivalent partner, Um, know that that's threatening to the relationship and that you really are allowing, you know, you're just kind of, um, you're, you're idle. You're, you're allowing life to live you. You're not in charge of your life and, uh, that that's really quite sad. You don't want to be on your deathbed and be like, man, I just didn't even live my life. Yeah, no, very true. Um, so I would yeah, suggest just jumping, just, just jump and the net will appear. It really <laughs> will. And, um, it's going to be scary, but that, that is how change can actually happen. And you're kind of, uh, not allowing that change that you say you want to actually happen by staying ambivalent. Yeah. Don't be stuck. Don't yeah. stay stuck. All right, if you Kenneth, need help, get help. Yeah, please do. Kenneth has a question here. How much of how you treat relationships in life is based on examples of relationships you see when you are a child? It's kind of unrelated, mm-hmm. 
a good question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't have the percentage, but um, quite a lot. Like that's why the attachment piece is so uh, important because we are little sponges as kids. And so we're just learning how to do things, how relationships look, uh, how we were treated. Then we then repeat that. Uh, I mean, there's so much that's imprinted into us that uh, we then are repeating whatever we know. We can change it, but initially we're going to default to what's in that the memory bank kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, you know, I'm always conscientious about modeling behavior, you know, with mm-hmm. with small people too um, <clears throat> that are around. And it's, it is interesting to sort of self-reflect and see, you know, how you've behaved and how that might impact um, you know, your children and whatnot. And I, I look back at my own childhood and think, you know, about how, you know, men treated women, women treated men in, in all kinds of different relationships, not just my parents, but, you know, grandparents and professional relationships, whatever. Um, yeah, I think you can't help but sort of, you know, be influenced by the things that you see. It's always like, you know, when, your child acts up and you're like, gosh, I, where does he get that from? Like, you know, I don't act that way. His father doesn't act that way. Like, why is he being that way? Um, He's trying to call attention to something that right, isn't right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. It's the only way they know. Definitely based on how we model behavior. So speaking of uh, relationships, I think we've got some exciting things coming up next week. Next week. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, So we have a couple that wants to come on and ask a question or two, or I'm not sure what's going to transpire, but um, they, they are interested in showing up and asking, asking whatever they want to ask. And so we'll see, we'll kind of deal with that live and see how it goes. That's exciting. Do we, what are their first names? Do you know off the top of your head? Do you remember? Uh, I do know. I just don't know if they're going to use their right. Oh, name. okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I don't know. Let them decide that. I'm sure they'll use their first names, but. Um, Fred, Fred and Beth. And Wilma. Yeah. yeah Fred and Wilma <laughs> coming on. That's going to be exciting. So um, we'll have them on the show live next week. Have we nailed down a time yet or we just still need to figure that out? I think it will be this time. Okay. So one o'clock Eastern, 11 Mountain. Yeah. Um, and so there won't be necessarily a topic. It'll just be we get to meet uh, the lovely couple and interact with them and answer everyone else's questions in the chat. And if anyone wants to call in, you can call in too. Yep. And see what happens. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Julie. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, letting me know what ambulance means. <laughs> You're welcome. Let's get us out of here. All right. Ba, 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 ba.